athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. I think, I think, I think very deeply. In about four seconds, a teacher will begin to speak. I think very deeply. You're locked in to the dopest show on radio from the press box to press row. I am your host, Donald Ware. Got a really good show for you. I don't know. Did you all see the Daytona 500? Uh, the, I mean, just you talk about a scary crash with Ryan Newman on that last lap. And uh, to see him uh, be able to recover and you, you saw all of those things uh, sort of on social media and to... Uh, to be where he is now, I think, is absolutely remarkable. I mean, that was, you know, that's one of the scarier crashes that you're going to see uh, in racing. And uh, for him to be able to walk away from that, uh, man, I mean, I'm telling you, that uh, definitely was a blessing. Ultimately, Denny Hamlin won the Daytona 500, his second straight win at the Daytona 500. Listen, we talked a lot of Daytona 500, you know. It's, that's the beauty of this show. So last week we talked all Daytona 500, talked with four or five drivers. The week before that, uh, we talked with, uh, you heard a conversation with Joe Gibbs. We talked about North Carolina A&T uh, and the move to the Big South A&T. Head men's basketball coach Will Jones joined us on the program. That was two weeks ago. And now this week on From the Press Box to Press Row got another great show for you. Uh, I tell you what, we talked a lot and I've heard a lot of conversation. I've heard from a lot of people and it, it's something we, we, we addressed when the move was announced that A&T would leave the MEAC uh, after this upcoming season. So 2021 to join the Big South. We talked about it then, then sort of did uh, something else uh, uh, on last week. But this week we're going to come back to that and we're going to talk with one of the key decision makers in this process, Earl Hilton is the director of athletics at North Carolina A&T. He's going to join us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. I think it's I think you're going to get great perspective. Um, you know, I've known Earl for uh, about 20 years uh, or so. I, 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 I think I made mention on this program going back to 2010 when um, he became the interim athletics director at A&T. I was like, oh, that's just a that's just a, a temporary move. That's going to be uh, become a permanent move. And then you see where A&T is now. But the thing about it, you know, he hasn't only been in athletics. He's been on the student uh, in, in student affairs on the student side of things. So he can speak to the whole piece uh, on this decision. And you're going to hear from Earl Hilton, the director of athletics today about A&T's move to the Big South here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Also joining us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row, Norfolk State, uh, the men's basketball team back in first place in the MEAC, 9-2 and two, uh, on the season, 13-13 and 13 overalls. Got a tough trip, that Florida trip. It begins with Florida A&M uh, on Saturday. And Robert Jones, the head men's basketball coach at Norfolk State, going to also join us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Also joining us today here on the program, the XFL is in full swing. Week three uh, is upon us, as a matter of fact, and the head coach of the D.C. Defenders is Pep Hamilton. Pep Hamilton, formerly the offensive coordinator, uh, probably most notably the offensive coordinator uh, for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, even before that, he was the offensive coordinator at Stanford, so he he obviously helped to guide Andrew Luck uh, to the success uh, that he had uh, both in college and the National Football League. Uh, he played uh, quarterback at Howard 
Pep Hamilton. Pep Hamilton, again, the head coach of the D.C. Defenders of the XFL, also going to join us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Your participation here on From the Press Box to Press Row always warranted. Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Also on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. That's how you get at us. Uh, of course, you can also hit me up on my personal Twitter account, at dware one at dware one Follow uh, me while you're there. Also uh, on Instagram, at where Donald got to do a better job uh, on Instagram. We'll certainly try to, but you can uh, also follow me on Instagram at where Donald. Thank you to all the wonderful affiliates around the country that carry from the press box to press row. WASU out of Albany, Georgia has been carrying the program. Wow. Probably 11 years. Seems like, you know, if I said 2009, maybe even before that, I remember we did a tour stop. We used to do uh, these tour stops during spring football games. So um, during a various spring football game, we'd, we'd come to campus uh, and broadcast uh, Box to Row live. I mean, we, you know, we need to get back to doing that. I mean, we've been, you know, we, we went to Albany State. So we, you know, WASU, obviously our, our affiliate there in Albany. We've been to, I think about some of these other, other affiliates. Um, how about uh, uh, in, in Tallahassee? Uh, we've been to Florida A&M. WTAL, uh, we've been to ANT uh, in Greensboro, uh, WNAA, uh, we've been to Nashville, Tennessee with Tennessee State, WFSK. So we've been, uh, of course, we've been um, to uh, uh, to South Carolina State where uh, uh, in Orangeburg where our affiliate in that market uh, now is WVCD. So, so many great affiliates around the country that carry from the press box to press row. Those that listen to us on Sirius XM, channels 141 and 142, and those that listen to us around the world at BoxToRoad.com. Let's step aside. Let's take a break. When we come back, you're going to hear from the head coach of the D.C. Defenders, Pep Hamilton, as you're locked into From the Press Box to Press Row. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. Let's continue here on From the Press Box to Press Row. And let's talk a little XFL. As a matter of fact, the D.C. Defenders 2-0 on the season. And on Sunday, uh, going to take on the Los Angeles team, the Wildcats. As a matter of fact, in his first season as the head coach of the Defenders, is Pep Hamilton, graduate of Howard University, joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Uh, coach Hamilton, welcome back to the program. Oh, thanks. Uh, thanks. I'm glad to to be back on the program. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, for you, just, uh, you know, again, you're off to the 2-0 and start, the XFL, a lot of great reviews. You, you know, your last victory was against... Uh, New York, 27 to nothing. You know, the games are nationally televised. There's a lot of excitement behind the XFL. Your thoughts on how the team has started out to this point? Um, as you mentioned, you know, we found a way to win two ball games, But, um, you know, we have a ton of respect for the team that we're going to face this week in the L.A. Wildcats. And uh, our preparation is, uh, is ongoing. And uh, we got to find a way to to travel across the country and and uh, and win another ball game. But it's it's been exciting. It's been exciting to to finally have an opportunity to put our team out out there on the field in a competitive situation and uh, and see guys make plays and ultimately in all three phases come together and and uh, and, and once again find a way to win a football game because winning football games are hard. It's it's, it's hard enough to even just score a touchdown or uh, stop the other team from scoring touchdowns. But at the end of the day, when you win a football game, uh, there's a lot that goes into it. And and uh, we, we're back at the drawing board once again, trying to come up with a way to win another game. Last we talked with you, you were the offensive coordinator uh, in Indianapolis. Uh, but but talk about this because the, it was announced a while back that the league uh, would form, so there was a lot of excitement around that. It was going to be different than the league was uh, 20 years ago. What made, uh, I guess, A, being a coach in the XFL, 
uh, and then more specifically with the defenders attractive to you? Well, uh, the process started for me uh, a year ago this time. It was the last February, and uh, at the time, I was coaching at the University of Michigan, and uh, and that was exciting in its own right. But uh, to have an opportunity to take on the challenge of uh, not only being the coach, but um, being the general manager was something that was intriguing for me and, and my family. And uh, Oliver Luck, who's our commissioner in the XFL, uh, played a big part in uh, in my family's decision to take this on. Uh, because we've had a long-standing relationship that goes back to uh, the time that I coached his son at Stanford University. And, uh, of course, I went on to coach uh, Andrew Luck at, at the Colts as well. But, um, you know, it, was, um, it, it wasn't hard for me to, uh, to recognize that this could be something special. Uh, not to say that it wouldn't have its challenges, but uh, I knew that it had a chance to be something that, would uh would be fun for me you know and the rest of my coaching staff you know i've been coaching for uh close to 20 years now and uh uh and for me at this point in my career is it's like being a fisherman you know and, and fishing for sport you know i just enjoy winning and and so to uh to have this opportunity to to really put my fingerprints on something and uh and be a part of all facets of building a professional sports franchise was something that I wanted to take on and and uh and with the support of a great staff that we have in the place that we have in place here uh we feel like we have the foundation that has sustained success here you know most of your coaching career has been in professional football and more specifically in the National Football League um, was this an opportunity were you were you longing to get back into coaching at the professional level no, not, I wouldn't say that. Not necessarily. I, I would, you know, I have uh, just to, just to be honest with you, I have um, three kids, and my oldest daughter, um, she's graduating high school this year. She's about to head off to college at some point here in the uh, in the near future, and so uh, I just felt like I, I wanted to own more of my time, and this opportunity would allow me to do that. You know, my. Uh, you know, my oldest daughter. I don't. I can't say that she's ever had an opportunity to um, to to have me at home and to live with me, um, not necessarily year round, but for uh, the uh, for the majority of the year, and uh, and have some normalcy. You know, in this profession, uh, you you're, you you live at work. Uh, there's you, you sacrifice a lot of time and a lot of moments with your family to. Uh, to, to coach up your football team, coach up your, your position groups, and and uh, and over time, you know, it could take its toll on a family. Well, uh, the great thing about the XFL is I had all of 2019 to uh, to work from home and uh, organize things to get the team in place, and uh, and then of course I had to report uh, towards uh, the end of last year for uh, for mini camp and training camp. But it just gave me a different schedule and a little more life flexibility. Pap Hamilton is the head coach of the D.C. Uh, DC Defenders of the XFL. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Yeah, no question about that. And I think a lot of guys have uh, are former National Football League players. There are other guys that are not. There are some guys maybe that were in the NFL looking to get back, some other guys that uh, uh, may be looking to get to the National Football League. Is that something – and I know you're – you know where you are and you're happy where you are and i know family plays a big role in that uh is i mean would you want to get back into coaching in the national football league uh you know i think um for coaches it's it's tough to to lose sight of the job at hand um because it ultimately what it'll do is it'll distract you and it'll frustrate you uh for this reason there's no science to the hiring and firing practice, practices for coaches. You know what I mean? Yeah. That process is, is very fluid. Um, if you have a good job, enjoy that job and do the best that you can at that job, and the rest of it takes care of itself. Yeah. You know, I've been fortunate to have uh, had the opportunity at an early age uh, to, to coach in the National Football League. 
and uh, and over a twelve year, twelve to fifteen year period, um, you know, I I was able to own football and coach football and live football at the highest level. But I've also had the opportunity to um, to work at some outstanding uh, universities. First and foremost, the Mecca, Howard University. You know, that's where I started my uh, coaching career. Uh, that's also where you know I uh, learned to love myself and grew. And so, um, you know, I, I've had the chance to coach at uh, schools that, that have done both academically and athletically for their uh, student-athletes. You know, I coached at Howard, as I mentioned. I coached at Stanford, and I also coached at Michigan most recently. And so, um, you know, but I enjoy it. I enjoy uh, just just coaching ball. I've never had a job. You know, that's how I look at it. You know, I've never had a real job. You know, I'm uh, doing the same thing that I've been doing my entire life. That's waking up and sleeping, eating, and drinking football, and so <laughs> yeah. it's. Uh, I've been fortunate. I've been blessed. Yeah, Pat Hamilton is the head coach of the DC Defenders of the XFL. He joins us here on the program. Last thought on that because. You know, I know when we had you on, I think it was either 2014 or 2015, the offensive coordinator, Andrew Luck, as you mentioned, of the Colts, uh, you were hot, uh, no question, as an offensive coordinator. Uh, should you, A, uh, would you or have liked to have been a head coach in the National Football League? And then ultimately, should you have been, particularly during that time? Well, I, I can't I, I can't tell you, I tell you if I uh, should have been. But uh, I can say that, um, you know, my goal was to, uh, to win, a, win a Super Bowl, win as many games as we could when I was the coordinator. My job to make sure that our offense uh, uh, was efficient, effective, and, uh, and scored a bunch of points. And, and as I mentioned to you before, typically when that happens, um, the um, – there's going to be opportunities that come about as a result. And that's the only part that, uh, that I could control. And that was my, my output. And, uh, and that was always my focus. I, um, I, I can't sit here and tell you that, you know, Hey, I was, uh, trying to coach harder in certain games, uh, so that I could get an opportunity to, to, uh, eventually become the coach of any given team. That wasn't the case at all, you know? Uh, I think it's well documented that there is no uh, uh, infrastructure in place or, uh, or or ladder of sorts in coaching like you would have in your typical corporate environment. So because of that, you don't frustrate, frustrate yourself with uh, hoping and wanting. You just focus on the job that you have, and if you do a good enough job, you're able to keep your job. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, anything else that comes uh, as a result, of having uh, continued success, it is what it is. You know, I'm, I've uh, been fortunate to be able to uh, enjoy a certain quality of life with my family, my wife and kids. That um, that that's been priceless. You know. Yeah. Um, I'm enjoying life. I'm enjoying the defenders. I'm enjoying being back in D.C. I enjoy the fact that my parents are able, my parents are living and are able to come and uh, experience. Uh, my career and the things that I do with my family experience that with us. And uh, I don't know that I could, could ask for any more than that. Yeah. Uh, do I feel like I'm one of the best coaches on any level of football, offensive coaches, uh, now head coach? Of course I do. I know that I check off all the boxes, but um, that's not for me to decide if, uh, you know, if uh, you want to, to give me the opportunity to uh, – to coach your team, so I focus on what I can control. Yeah, no, I think it's fair. Uh, lastly, so I mean, again, I mentioned a dominating performance over New York. You're at Los Angeles uh, on on Sunday. What are tell us who we need to be on the lookout for for the defenders, and then maybe some of the challenges uh, that the the Los Angeles Wildcats present. Well, you know, we um, we feel like we have a really good defense. And, I mean, they've scored a touchdown in each of our first two games. Our defensive staff has done a really good job of putting our players in a position to be successful. Uh, special teams, we've been aggressive. We've uh, blocked the punt 
and scored a touchdown on special teams uh, each week. I feel like we've out physical our opponents. Uh, our special teams are led by uh, my former coach at Howard, uh, Steve Wilson, also a Howard grad, uh, played 10 years in the NFL. Uh, he's been my mentor my entire coaching career. He gave me my first job. Well, he's our special teams coordinator, and uh, they do a great job on special teams. Um, and so uh, offensively, we have a special player in our uh, starting quarterback, Cardell Jones. Uh, you know, he's a champion. He won a national championship uh, when he played at The Ohio State University, and, um, and and he's played good football in our first two games. Our quarterback coach is also a Howard grad, uh, Ted White, uh, played quarterback at Howard uh, roughly 96, 98, 96 through 2000. I had a chance to play with Ted as well as coach Ted at Howard University. And Ted has done a great job with uh, Cardell, and, and uh, Cardell has a chance to, um, to you know, really prove himself to be what we know he is, and that's one of the best quarterbacks in all levels of football. And so we have a good football team, but with all that being said, we're about to step into a uh, environment that's foreign to this team because we hadn't played a game on the road yet. And so uh, we're going to really have to just maintain our focus and give great effort like we've done uh, every time we've had a chance to play a game up until this point and uh, find a way to win a game. Pep Hamilton is the head coach of the Howard Defenders. I'm sorry, the D.C. Defenders, as he joins us here uh, from the press box to press row. Uh, coach Hamilton, we appreciate the time. Continued success to you and the Defenders. Right on. Thank you, bro. He probably didn't get my corny little joke, the Howard Defenders. He's got a lot of, you know, former Howard uh, football folks that are there with the Defenders 2-0 and on the season and uh, some success for pep hamilton as the head coach to this point still to come here on from the press box to press row norfolk state head men's basketball coach robert jones but up next we'll be joined by the director of athletics at north carolina a&t earl hilton those who can do those who can't talk join donald ware in the conversation from the press box to press row. Let's continue here on from the press box to press row. And we want to get back uh, to the topic of conversation with respect to North Carolina A&T uh, now joining the Big South Conference after next season. And, of course, in his now 10th, going into his 10th year uh, as the athletics director at North Carolina A&T is Earl Hilton. He's been with the university, as a matter of fact, for 20 years. Joins us here on from the press box to press row. How are you, Earl? I'm great, Donald. Thank you. I'm having a great day. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Doing doing really good. And you know, I I know obviously this is a it, it, it's a hot button topic. Uh, you know, uh, and, and it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. So I want to start here. And in, in in gathering from the press conference, this had been you know a topic of conversation uh, amongst a committee, if you will, for about five years or so. Uh, how did we ultimately get to this point? What led to this decision to join the Big South and leave the MEAC? Uh, great question, Donald. Uh, as we suggested at the press conference, this is something we began as an institution looking at uh, late 2014, early 2015, um, as we were watching what was happening in Division One sports across the country with a number of other institutions, uh, Division One institutions and conference realignments. Uh, we began to assess our own position uh, in that environment and wanted to have a clear picture of where we stood and and what was, as always, in the best interest of our student-athletes and the institution. So we, we began, you know, we hired a consultant um, who prepared a report for us in 2015, and every couple of years after that, we would bring that report back out and look at it, update it, and and assess the situation again in, in Division One college sports. Uh, where are we? What, what's happening around us? What does the world look like? What is uh, in the best interest of our student-athletes and, and North Carolina A&T? And so we continued that process for a number of years. And then, and again, as, you, as you're aware, uh, last summer, 2019, a decision was made for us to spend some real time on this based on what we were seeing in the environment and, and what we understood to be happening in Division One sports, 
Uh, the decision was made by the Board of Trustees that we take a deep dive on this, and uh, to that end, they formed a committee which began to look uh, in some earnest at the the, the reports, and the feasibility studies, and the uh, environment in which Division One athletics at A and T operates. Based on on that assessment, a decision was made that this would be the appropriate time for us to announce a, a realignment in our conference association and membership. Is it is it in part uh, fair to say because you know especially on our level, meaning the smaller school level, and even if you look at you know the FBS level, uh, some of the schools that are smaller schools, athletics is more of a marketing tool. So did did the marketing aspect of North Carolina A&T as a whole play into this? Yeah, difficult to separate the, the, the institution and the brand that is athletics. Uh, certainly marketing and our media presence, our footprint, is always a consideration uh, in these kinds of conversations. It, for better or worse, um, athletics serves a, a number of roles on campuses, one of which is as a proxy for the relative strength of the institution. Uh, And so for individuals who don't live in Greensboro or even North Carolina, they associate the strength of our academic disciplines with our athletic success. Uh, If you're in Kansas or Colorado, uh, that's what you know about A&T in some respects is what their athletics program is. It's no, no different than when you see a Duke shirt in California. You don't think about their fantastic law school. You think about their basketball program. And uh, so, for, again, for better or worse, athletics serves that role. It, it serves as a proxy for the institution and the strength of the institution um, outside of the local or regional community in which the institution lives. So certainly... To answer your question, yes, that played a role in, in these considerations. You know, you mentioned the la- the landscape sort of of Division I uh, athletics and what, uh, in part, uh, you factored that in into, into this decision. With that, uh, is there, you know, I mean, are there some things that uh, you as an institution – uh, we're looking for from the MEAC that the MEAC was not giving you. Is this to uh, to say that perhaps uh, we'll see the MEAC, you know, as it is not around in five years or so? Oh, that's certainly not something that we are saying. Uh, I would not read this as a reflection of uh, an assessment by A&T of the MEAC. This is an assessment of A&T by A&T and what we consider to be consistent with our our institutional mission, our aspirational plans and goals, and how athletics serves and is served uh, by that mission. And so this is this is not a reflection, uh, should not be read as a reflection of an assessment of the MEAC in any way. This is a posture that A&T is taking for and about A&T. Earl Hilton is the director of athletics at North Carolina A&T. He joins us here on From the Press Box to press row. Um, certainly, that's a good point. Uh, certainly with that, or you mentioned, and a lot of talk was about the sort of the student-athlete uh, part of this. Uh, speak to a, a little bit more about how that uh, plays. What are some of the benefits uh, for the student-athletes that plays into this decision? Sure. Mostly that shows up, in uh, initially at least, in terms of time. And when I say time, I'm speaking about time away from campus, time that has to be dedicated to intercollegiate athletics. And that's not somebody's fault. That's just a function of where the institutions against which we compete are located. Uh, And they are in far-reaching and disparate locations. Uh, We anticipate that this change in affiliation will save us time, uh, and I say time I'm talking about days off uh, the road, and correspondingly that will translate into dollars as well. It will save us money and time, time for the student-athletes, money for the institution that will be reinvested into the student-athletes. 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think you explained this in the press conference because, you know, my initial thought uh, with that is that North Alabama, when you're going south, North Alabama is farther than uh, Bethune-Cookman and Florida a and if, if I'm going up north, Monmouth is farther than Delaware State is. So how, how does it uh, really save time uh, in terms of travel? Right, and so you're only speaking of one sport. Right. Uh, you're talking about football uh, and some of the affiliated members for the football conference. And so if you look at the other 16 sports who will not make those trips to North Alabama or to Monmouth, uh, there is considerable savings in time and distance based on the geography. Uh, I think the the average distance to a MEAC institution from A&T is about 331 miles. Uh, average distance to uh, Big South home sites is about 154 miles. So cuts off more than half in terms of distance, which translates into time and money. All right. So and that's so. And would it is that more about the uh, the Olympic sports? Well, Olympic basketball, basketball, and even football. We don't anticipate making trips to Monmouth and um, North Alabama in the same year. Okay. You know, also, I mean, you know, there's been a lot of talk. I mean, this is, like I said, it's it's even permeated uh, not just in the MEAC but a- around HBCU football. What do you say to those? Because A&T is a founding member uh, of the MEAC uh, going back to 1969, uh, leaves the MEAC, uh, in an HBCU conference to join the Big South, a, a non-HBCU conference. What do you say to those that uh, look at it from that perspective? What is their question? Well, they, they feel like, I, I would say, and this is not my question, uh, I think, and, and in talking to people, they say, well, why would you, you know, in essence, why would you leave an HBCU conference to join a non-HBCU conference. Like I think people um, look at that. Uh, I think people feel like you know may, perhaps there should be some loyalty to an HBCU conference. Uh, interesting notion, and and certainly uh, individuals who have posed that question or some form of that question. Um, what I'm trying to get at is what are the elements that are critical to our identity as Aggies, as North Carolina A&T State University, what are those elements that are critical to our identity as an HBCU that we are worried about being lost or compromised based on the identity of member conference schools? Uh, and I'm trying to drill down specifically on what those are. What, what are we worried about losing in that exchange and uh, certainly I'm asking that question and I'm hoping to get answers because we have 15 16 months to roll this out and if there are elements of our identity that are attached in some way to our conference affiliation that can be preserved I want to preserve them we want to keep those Um, but I, I I'm anxious to hear what those elements are so that we can pay appropriate attention to them and and uh, be appropriately responsive to those concerns. I mean, I think and, and I think you've heard this before. I mean, I think maybe, uh, you know, maybe some of the concern is that, OK, well, uh, you know, for homecoming, you know, homecoming. I, 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 I can't I mean, I, and let me be clear, I can't speak for. Um, uh, uh, for what people are thinking when they say that. But I know you've heard this, and I've heard this too. Uh, you know, what's a homecoming going to be like now? It's going to be different, uh, a little bit different, because you're, you're not playing an HBCU school, uh, per se. I don't know if that, you know, that, that could be part of also what is being said there. Right, and, and that's the pieces, again, those are the pieces that I want to tease out and understand. Uh, and as we go around and speak to booster clubs and organizations and alumni associations, I'm hoping to get more feedback in that regard uh, to, to identify what is there about playing an HBCU at homecoming or not playing an HBCU at homecoming that is critical to our identity as as Aggies, that is critical to our historical mission and identification as an HBCU. Because if there are things that are critical in that um Metric, we want to preserve those. We want to keep those. Um, is it 
Is it how we how our band acts, what our band does? Uh, is it how we begin the game? Are is it the songs that we play? I, I, I'm looking for that feedback so that we can figure out what critical pieces exist because we wrap it in this language of of what we're losing or we're losing our culture and I just need that teased out a little bit so that we can identify this is what we're talking about when we say we're losing our culture and let's and then let's, let's fix it let's let's keep it let's preserve it so that we don't run that risk Earl Hilton is the athletics director or director of athletics at North Carolina A&T joins us here on the program. I know at the press conference there uh, was mention of the fact with respect to this move uh, first that the Big South made the invitation. But again, as you mentioned, over that five year period, it was uh, A&T was looking uh, at uh, at uh, what was best for A&T in the athletic landscape. Was there ever uh talk of perhaps moving to an FBS conference or or maybe uh, maybe moving independently then trying to make a move to the FBS sure we started from the perspective that let's look at any conference that has North Carolina as part of its footprint <clears throat> so any division one athletics conference that touches North Carolina that has a presence in North Carolina we looked at. That includes uh, obviously FCS and some FBS conferences. And we threw all that on the table in our initial conversation. So uh, those were part of the initial looks and discussions. You can quickly eliminate some of those based on geography and based on budget. Uh, but we did start with that big picture. And I want to say there were eight or nine conferences that that have a presence in North Carolina. So we started with all of those. Is there is there a concern? And I realize that, you know, Hampton did it a little bit differently uh, than A&T did it. Uh, but if you look at the last couple of years, uh, more specifically in football, uh, there were no teams uh, that played Hampton in football. Now, Howard will play Hampton in football this year. I, I believe it's at Hampton. Last year it was in the Chicago Classic. Uh, and I know you mentioned wanting to really preserve uh, those uh, relationships with the MEAC schools. Any concern that MEAC schools uh, uh, will do to A&T uh, what, in fact, uh, was done to Hampton? Well, I'm not certain what was done to Hampton, um, so I'm not a I in terms really of not with any authority in terms of not that. playing them in terms of not playing especially in football if you look at the football schedule i mean i don't i don't, I don't think yeah. it's a coincidence that 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 hampton didn't in the last couple of years hasn't played any MEAC schools right and you may have information that i'm, I'm not aware of i know football schedules are generally put together about 4 years in advance uh, and so making changes to those is not something you can do on a dime Okay. Uh, I'm certainly not aware of any effort by MEAC institutions to avoid playing Hampton. Uh, now, to your question, I, individual schools will have to make scheduling decisions, as they always have, about non-conference games. Uh, and, and I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth uh, about whether they will or won't play us. Uh, I am certainly hopeful that we will be able to maintain uh, a rich tradition uh, of rivalry across a number of sports, uh, with our former MEAC uh, brothers and sisters. And then lastly, Earl, and we appreciate the time, and I think it's important to note that while you've been the director of athletics there, started uh, with the interim title, uh, and now, the, of course, the director of athletics after a year of that, that, that would make 10 years, you've been uh, at A&T for 20 years, first in athletics and then uh, in, in, in the, on the student side of things uh, as well. Uh, can you speak to, uh, in this 10 years, how uh, you've seen and been able to help A&T Athletics Department grow? Because even if you go back uh, to, if you look at the football program specifically going back to 2010 or so, an equivalent of 30 scholarships, something like that. Now, I mean, A&T has won the last three uh, celebration bowls. Uh, you look at the, 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 the success of the track program men's and women's basketball, the list goes on. Can you sort of speak to that and just how you've been able to uh, to help the athletics uh, grow to where it is now? 
Uh, you're very kind, Donald. I know. Uh, that, now, to, Earl, you, you and have... I, you and I go back and forth with this, but I'm saying you lead the athletics department, and it no. is in great shape. You have me confused with somebody else. <laughs> I will, I will concede that we are very blessed uh, at A and T. We have been extraordinarily fortunate. The credit for that. Uh, you're laying it at the wrong feet. Uh, the credit for that goes to our head coaches. It goes to our tremendous student athletes. Now we've got great coaches. We've got great student athletes who do the work, pay the price, blood, sweat, and tears that are required to succeed uh, academically and athletically. Uh, and any role that I have in that is mostly defined as not getting in the way of that success. Uh, I try not to be an impediment to what fantastic people are trying to do every day so i I will acknowledge that we are quite blessed um but it's not my fault (laughs) earl hilton is the director of athletics at north carolina a&t he joins us here on from the press box to press row earl i appreciate the time really appreciate you breaking down uh the decision answering the questions that i had and a lot of other people had with respect uh to this move we appreciate the time and we'll talk with you real soon thank you donald have a wonderful day man appreciate it earl and uh, matter of fact got in contact uh uh with earl at the last moment and uh he made himself available so we appreciate that your thoughts on anything that earl hilton the director of athletics at north carolina a&t had to say Hit us up via Twitter at box to row B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. We close out the show with Norfolk State head men's basketball coach Robert Jones next. It's Donald Ware. From the press box to press row. Norfolk State Spartans 13 and 13 on the season, 9 and 2 in the MEAC as they sit in first place in his seventh season as the head men's basketball coach at Norfolk State is Robert Jones, who joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Coach Jones, welcome back to the program. Hey, how you doing? Doing great for you. Five games remaining in the regular season. Uh, your thoughts uh, of, in terms of where you all sit at 13-13, and 9-2 in the conference in first place. Well, uh, I think that, you know, we're making some progression every game. Uh, you know, every game is a new experience for these guys. Like I've said, you know, before, I think um, it's just, you know, we're such a new team, you know. Um, you know, right now we're 13-13, so we play 26 games. And for 75, 80% of the team, um, you know, that they only have 26 games of Division One experience. So every game is a, is a new task, a new challenge. And, um, you know, so far so good. Um, like, uh, you know, um, I told the guys the other day, uh, you know, I'm extremely uh, hard on them about different things, but I told them the other day I was proud of where they're at uh, so far because, honestly, uh, you know, a lot of folk might not thought that we would be back in the same position after losing the whole team pretty much for last year. Yeah, can you talk a little bit? You've, you've faced a little bit of adversity going back a couple of weeks ago, the North Carolina trip. You lost both games to A&T and to North Carolina Central momentarily, lost first place of the MEAC, bounced back to win three games in a row, uh, and now again sit atop the MEAC. Speak to bouncing back from adversity with those two losses with three straight victories now. Well, I think that you know, uh, A&T and Central probably present two of the most hostile environments in the conference. And um, once again, going back to that that new team, that, that, that new young team, whatever, you know, whatever connotation you want to use with it, is that um, you know I'm not quite sure we were prepared mentally for uh, those environments. You know, physically, you know, the game is the game, and I think that you know even with Central, um, you know, we we were up 15 points at one point. And uh, A&T, you know, after they jumped on us a little bit, we, you know, we made it, a, you know, a neck and neck game for a long time, um, losing both of those games by six. But uh, just to be able to, to fight in those environments, I, you know, even after the loss, I didn't tear the team down. Uh, the losses for both games, I didn't tear them down at all. I just told them that this is a learning experience that's going to help us down the stretch. And, um, you know, so far it's, it's helping us a little bit, and, and now we're going to road again to, uh, to face uh, the, the two tough Florida teams. So. Um, those losses are disappointing because, um, you know, clearly if we would have won those games, we would really be in the driver's seat for the regular season title right now with five left to play. Um, we're not, you know, in the driver's seat. We do control our own destiny, but we don't have that much room 
um, for error. And, um, you know, winning those two games would have gave us a little bit more uh, margin of error. Robert Jones in his seventh season as the head men's basketball coach at Norfolk State joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. And you mentioned the fact of going on the road uh, and, and falling to A&T and to Central in tough environments. Your record on the road, 2-10 uh, and ten at home, you're 10-1. and one, And you have the road trip, the, the, the tough road trip in, in, in Florida. H- how do you prepare your team um, this time around for the uh, the trip to Florida, uh, knowing that once again, just like when you went to North Carolina, uh, a and or excuse me, uh, first place is on the line in the MIAC. I mean, I think now, uh, you know, as we, you know, you get closer to that goal with five games left. Um, I think the the hunger for the team kicks in a little bit, or well, at least it should kick in, I should say. Um, and also, I do think that um, although Fam and Bethune both are going to be tough environments that we've played in the toughest environments in the league so far. So, uh, you know, not saying it's a step down in, in the environment factor, but, uh, you know, it, it is, you know, potentially. And, um, you know, the, the actual team, is, you know, both teams are very good, so you're going to have to come out there and play. But um, the the environment factor that affected us the first time when we played A&T and Central um, shouldn't affect us when we play FAMU and um, Bethune. You know, we have to just go out there and just hopefully play uh, – you know, the way we, we play and, and do some good things and um, combat, you know, two pretty good teams. I know I think only one team in the league so far this year, but if I'm not mistaken, um, which was North Carolina Central, has, has split that uh, that FAMU uh, trip. So that's a, you know, it's a tough trip um, that, you, that, you have, that, we, that we have coming up um, tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the personnel. Jermaine uh, Bishop, Joe Bryant, um, you know, they're your two leading scorers. Uh, talk about them and uh, what, and, and then the team really as a whole from a personnel standpoint, uh, but most notably those two players. You know, it's, uh, it's funny that you uh, even mentioned uh, Joe Bryant. Cause, uh, just, I tell people all the time, I was just having a conversation with, with actually Joe the other day that most uh, publications, media, anything like that, always talk about Jermaine Bishop and Stephen Willie. You know, like no one really talks about Joe uh, Bryant. He kind of like flies under the radar, but he's averaging 12 you know, points a game for us, you know. Or something around that that mark, and um, you know he is a, a, a critical uh, factor for us. His play, um, you know, the better he plays, the better the team plays because he can do some things. He can drive it, he can shoot it, um, you know, he, he can rebound it. He's not the most athletic guard, but he gets in there. He's pretty tough, and then um, you know he compliments Jermaine uh, tremendously. You know, Jermaine of course gets a lot of the fanfare, being uh, the St. Louis transfer and you know one of the leading scorers in the league. And I guess those you know all that is warranted because he's a pretty good player. But at the same time. Um, Joe is the perfect Robin um, to, to 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 Batman, you know. And um, I know a lot of times, you know, like I said, Stephen Whitley or something like that gets 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 talked about, which he should, I guess, as well. But um, you know, Joe is a, a, a tremendous X factor for us, and, and Devonte Carter too. I mean, Devonte Carter, um, you know, is our leading rebounder. He's averaging almost 10 points a game, six rebounds. Um, you know, our leading assist guy, and this is you know, all in, in conference play that is. So, I mean, he's getting, you know, 10, 6, and 3, you know, so he, he does a lot of things too. So, um, you know, those four guys, if, they, if they're on at the same time, we're, we're a very tough out. Um, and um, hopefully uh, they can continue to, to play at a pretty good level. Robert Jones in his seventh season as the head men's basketball coach at Norfolk State joins us here. I'm from the press box to press row. The Spartans 13-13 and 13 on the season, 9-2 and two in MEAC play a Saturday uh, on the road in Tallahassee against Florida A&M. Coach Jones, we appreciate the time. Continued success to you and the Spartans. Thank you. Appreciate it. Robert Jones, the head men's basketball coach at Norfolk State, joining us on the program. Before we get out of here today on the program, just something I, I want to uh, share with you all. First of all, you know, I've been a little bit uh, under the weather uh, this week, not at 100 uh, percent even as we speak right now. But I felt like, you know, got to bring the show to you guys as much as we can each and every week. And I hope you enjoyed today's show. I thought we had some uh, outstanding guests and, and thought that uh, some great information was shared. So I know I've talked about it a couple of times on the program. Um, the piece that USA Today asked me to do to rank the top uh, 100 National Football League players that went to HBCUs. It came out uh, in the summertime. And so I, I got an email from um, one of the sports editors at the USA Today, um, uh, as a matter of fact, on Sunday, and he indicated that 
um, that that the, the piece was part of a series that the USA Today did with respect to NFL 100 or the 100 years of the NFL. And that was one of the pieces that was part of the series that was ranked or voted as a top 10. It was in the top 10 uh, for what's called the APSE Sports Writing Award. So APSE stands for Associated Press Sports Editors. And so, of course, USA Today is in the largest category that you can be in. And so that uh, that piece, the 100 greatest National Football League players to play uh, at HBCU was, was part of the collective of of pieces that was voted into the um, the top 10 of the H uh, excuse me of the APSE sports writing award. So um, very all all honor and glory goes to God. Very uh, really very very. Um, you know when he when he when he emailed me, I mean I couldn't believe it. I mean that was you know something that again they asked me to do and I was happy to do it. Really thought it would be a lot of fun, a lot of work went into it. Um, you know, uh, and uh, whether you agreed with the piece or not, um, I thought it, you know, uh, I hope you enjoyed the piece, at least maybe learned something from it. Uh, so thought I would share that with you. My time is about up. I thank you for yours. Thank you to Pep Hamilton, the head coach of the D.C. Defenders. Thank you to Earl Hilton, the director of athletics at North Carolina A&T. And thank you to Robert Jones, the head men's basketball coach and Norfolk State, all for joining us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. For more information on the program, if you've missed any of our shows, uh, you can log on to our website at BoxToRow.com. And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications. Oh